Hi guys, welcome to TV with Friends. My name is Chelsea and I am joined by my co-host over the phone in Los Angeles. Hi Evan. Hi Chelsea. What's going on? Oh, not a lot. Just the days go by slow and then they go by fast and I feel like I've never slept so much in my life, but that's kind of nice. <laughs> so Yeah. I don't think any of us have ever slept this much. Oh yeah, I can't like I it took me like I was like, okay, it's gonna take me a few weeks to recover from work and just like not having my legs or my back or my feet hurt and stuff. And it took me like two weeks and I I've never felt better, but I also really want to go back to work. <laughs> oh god We are scratching at the walls. <laughs> During quarantine, oh, oh yeah. So we are the only way we feel productive is to podcast, and so we're going to do an episode called Seven Questions, and uh, we'll do this in the future and stuff. But these are just uh, TV questions that we are going to answer, and I think we all we have different answers for each, except for the first one. So. Yeah going to go straight into that. So, question one. Evan and me, what was the first TV show you really fell in love with? On three, ready? One, two, three. Buffy. Buffy. Buffy, the vampire slayer. Oh, we didn't even plan that. <laughs> that was yeah, just... That was literally... Yeah. We, 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 in discussing this last night, we were talking about it, and you is like the first TV show I think for me I was in seventh grade when it came out you were in sixth grade and I think this is like the first time that a TV show was ever like mine like my sister didn't watch it with me it wasn't like me my parents and everybody like around the TV um it was like oh Chelsea's watching her show and so having that like one-on-one with the TV experience just meant that I could just fully like take it in and I think one of the main things that I love about Buffy is that she is, she was a role model of mine for sure. She's an outsider in a new high school with like no friends. And I was doing the same thing in seventh grade, but she was very strong. She was very brave, had just like a badass kind of essence about her. She's dry. She's satirical. um, She's funny it's I she's charming like she just was I was just like you know what one day I hope my personality turns out to be just as cool as Buffy yeah and you're even though you kind of turned out a little bit more like Willow I did (laughs) minus minus the lesbianism part yes I'm like a straight Willow (laughs) yeah you're you're a little more witchy than uh Yes, I I would have been really scared to be a vampire hunter, Um, but yeah, she she handled it very well. What were some of the main things that kind of drew you into that story, like as a 12-year-old that you were just like, oh yes, TV is for me now? Yeah, fifth grade, probably about, oh yeah, 12, 12 years old. Um, You know, the I really liked the movie. I had seen the movie first. Yeah. So the movie was a little bit different. You know, uh, Christy Swanson was a huge sex symbol, quote of air quotes, as I say that, mm-hmm. in the early 90s. And I had just loved, like, Rucker Hauer was the, was the main villain. Luke Kevin Perry. Urban was in there. And Luke Wilson, uh, Luke Perry. Did oh. you just say that? Yes. So cute. Such a 90s fox. Love you. Yeah. R.I.P. But, like, just kind of, like, the friend dynamic Mm -hmm. to that. And I think that was something that you're really searching for when it comes to kind of those early formative years for when you're in school. Yeah. Like, the way that they all stuck together so tightly. And it was, like, 
the most drastic of drastic situations. We never had to fight vampires together. We or, weren't going to graveyards you know, in the middle of the night. Exactly. Yeah. We live on top of a hell mouth. Yes. Or, you know, any of this crazy shit. But we were going through the crazy formative years of middle school. Yeah. And it's kind of similar. That's, I mean, no, that's such a good point. Yeah. There. there is a like, lot of so teen... Yeah, there is a lot of uh, stuff that teens go through that you can, you know, definitely uh, kind of latch onto and just be like, okay, that's exactly what I'm going through. So I relate to that. And then having her, yeah, living on top of a hellmouth and having all these vampires and crazy kind of creatures coming at her all the time, that's was just like, oh, it's not so bad to be a teenager. <laughs> like, look at her, she's juggling it all. <laughs> It kind of gives, gives you a little bit of um, relief, too, just by looking at the, at the show and saying, okay, what I'm dealing with in this time of my life, um, it could be a lot worse. It could be definitely a lot worse. Yes. But I think that's, that was my true kind of draw to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about yours? Well, I definitely the friend group stands out and just kind of like how... It just, yeah, you're right. Her friends always have her back. There's like popular girls and stuff who are kind of mean to her sometimes, but she always can go back to her friends and her friends will always remind her, you know, we love you and we believe in you and we always are going to try to like help you and protect you. And I just, I just, it was like, I think, I mean, well, it's a fantasy show too. So it's interesting. I don't gravitate towards fantasy shows just because it was just so fun. Like, it was so fun to watch that show and um, just like watching her do like martial arts and like the stunts, the makeup with the vampires, the way the Buffy dressed. Oh, my God. I loved I would still wear anything today that Buffy wore. She was just yeah, she was just a fucking badass. And it it also when it came to her and Angel, I think before you know, I had probably by that point in my life, like watched movies or TV shows where people are falling in love, but they're a little older than me. They're like adults falling in love. So to see her and Angel was like my first, even though he's not a teenager, she is, he's like 300 years old. Um, Cause he's a vampire. <laughs> um, but, but definitely seeing her fall in love with her first love and then getting her heart broken and stuff, I think was like preparing me. And just being like, oh man, that's, I'm going to feel those feelings one day, you know? And it was, so it was just, it was definitely coming of age all the way. Well, there's, there's some great, like, there's some actors that are involved in the show. Uh, there's a gentleman named Brian Thompson who the face, unless you see it, won't be familiar. But like that kind of, it kind of crosses over into our idea of, or my idea of, almost wanting to put X-Files first because he yeah, was sure. an actor on X-Files as yes. well and he played the super stabby alien guy with mm-hmm. no face for a while um, but there's also like um, Nathan Fillion was in a good amount of the episodes um, a girl named a woman named Julie Benz who oh, she ended up playing Dexter's uh, Dexter's girlfriend yeah Dexter's yeah. girlfriend yeah yeah, no, yeah, the adults like, in it. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of just random people. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, you know, you watch it and you remember it, and there's a lot of people that have actually gone on to do much larger things. Yeah. And I kind of, oh wait, uh, Cordelia, she was the fucking um, mean cheerleader. Mean girl. Yes. Who yeah. eventually became her friend when she started dating yeah, Xander. And gets her own spinoff. She did? You're welcome, Cordelia. Well, she got Angel. Oh, she got to go to Angel. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, another great show. (laughs) Another great show. Yeah. No, I... Watched every season of that, I'm definitely considering a rewatch now because I just... I Yeah, I was thinking maybe Dawson's Creek or... ER were some of my first favorite shows and stuff, but no, Buffy really just like imprinted on me. Like I felt like I had a friend. I felt like I was hanging out with the gang. And I think that's what like shows about coming of age, high school, 
friendships. Like that's how you should feel like you should, you shouldn't feel like you're separated by the screen. You're like, I'm one of you. And so that's why my, that was my answer to that question. So, okay. I wanted, I wanted yes. To challenge you real quick. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the beginning of the theme song. Okay. Down, now, now, now. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was playing in my head the whole time we were talking. About <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and it does like a little like guitar <laughs> whirls, like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, see, she's a fucking rock and roll bitch. She's badass. All right. So. Yes. So, okay, moving away from vampires, um, you and I have, for our next question, you and I kind of have the same theme, which is a gay wedding. And the question, number two, is which TV show has made you cry most recently? So, um, I'm going to go for my, I'm going to go first because your show is a lot more popular than mine is. Um, but mine is from this current season, season four, episode six called new Orleans of better things, which is on FX starring Pamela Adlon. And I went back and kind of, uh, rewatched this last season just for fun. Cause I could just watch it over and over again. But the episode that really hit me, was uh, Sam, the main character, takes a trip to New Orleans to see two of her gay best friends or close close friends, uh, Manish and or Man- yeah Manish and Andrew, and they go to New Orleans because Andrew has a old Southern family, like very like you know like they have roots there in Louisiana, and Manish uh, his family is actually Indian. So you've got like a traditional Indian family and then a traditional Southern family coming together for their gay wedding. And what I liked about this episode so much, and I want to cry right now, (laughs) what I liked about it so much was that, you know, they think that you think you hear like Indian family and then, you know, Southern traditional family gay wedding you'd think that there would be like some sort of like conflict or something that these characters would have to like be like, dad, I really love him. Be proud of me or something. There was none of that. It was this beautiful celebration, kind of a traditional Indian, um, semi-traditional Indian wedding um, in this beautiful house in new Orleans. And after they announce um, them as husband and husband, Andrew gets up who, is I, I assume he's probably a singer as well as being an actor. Um, he gets up and he performs a song for Manish. And uh, the song, which I think everybody should listen to because it's just really good, it's called Martha by Tom Waits. So the song is about, the song almost kind of, he sings it, he sings it like a Broadway ballad. But um, the song is about two ex-lovers who haven't seen each other in 40 years and he calls her and they talk about their past and the nostalgia of being in love. And one of the lyrics, and this is where I just like started to cry so hard is the lyric to, I know it's the lyric to the chorus. And it says, those were the days of roses, poetry and prose and Martha all I had was you and all you had was me. And he's like looking into his eyes as he's singing it. He's walking around the, like kind of like the ceremony where everybody's sit, gathered at the tables. And as he's singing it, like background singers stand up out of nowhere and start like harmonizing. And it's just so beautiful. And then as the camera keeps going around the room, every single person in the room is in tears. Like the parents, the older relatives of the parents, their friends who obviously love them so much and are just so happy to, to celebrate their love. That fucking got me (laughs) so hard. I mean, I cry, we cry at a lot of TV. So like we could have answered this like six different times, but I, I love better things so much. I wish people besides my sister and my mom would watch it so that I would have somebody to talk about it with. Um, but it's just the feeling was there. And I, I swear to God, I was like kind of like thinking off in my head of like when you get married 
and I'm going to sit there and cry and like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to get up and like make a toast to you and tell everybody our story. And like, not just a celebration of love, but like a celebration of, of gay love and just, Oh my God, like, please have a wedding ceremony <laughs> where I can be your maid of honor. And I just, those, I can't wait for those days in our future when everybody kind of just starts to get married and, you know, we get to celebrate our friendships and, you know, just cry and be happy for each other that yeah. we, we found love. You and I are totally, no matter whose wedding it is, mine, yours, yeah. someone else's who we happen to be at at the same time, you and I will always be those two people sitting in the corner just bawling. Bawling. And I'm going to, I wouldn't even get my makeup like professionally done. I would just cry it off. Like, I would... <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like running to the bathroom to like reapply my makeup and put in clear eyes. I don't know how I would get through your your wedding or some of my friends' weddings with a dry eye. Like it's just I will just lose myself. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think it's possible to get through anyone's wedding with a dry eye. When they're supposed to be married and when they're in love, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. So yours was similar to mine. Yours is saying goodbye to these characters and or, or for, I mean I know they're making a movie or whatever but I bet it's so yeah. much even so much more emotional because you're saying goodbye to those characters and you kind of see like David's gonna be okay yeah like uh, that's yeah. really that's oh the end of the, if, to put a wedding at the end of a season come on <laughs> how are we not gonna cry <laughs> they, and they all make very different decisions um spoiler alert for this. Do you want me to say it? For Schitt's Creek? Okay um, yeah. If you have not seen the end of Schitt's Creek, uh, fast forward a little bit. Spoiler alert. Or, no. Are you okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Spoilers don't bother me. Okay. So they all, like, and they all separate into kind of two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they change you as a person and change your life 
It's so, it's just, okay, all right, we'll end there. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) No, I think, I think it is really cool. I think those, I think whether it's saying goodbye to a character through like a death scene or any sort of like milestone, it's, we've like, just like we were saying about Buffy, it's just like you, you learn to love these characters and have them exist in your heart. And so to see them go through moments like that is just like, oh my God, of course, like it hits, it hits you right in the gut with like all that emotion just being like I love this person and then this is who the show decided that this person loves and I think it's just also really cool like I'm kind of getting sick of straight weddings so anytime I you know because we've seen it all the fucking time so now that there's more um diversity in television and stuff like we're getting to see like all different types of people, not just straight white people get married and just to see the way that love is love and love transcends like anything, you know, like whatever you look like, whatever race you are, whatever traditions your family has, it doesn't matter because in the end, it's just about finding a partner, finding somebody to go through life with. And if you're yeah. lucky enough to truly fall for someone, then it's a then it's a really beautiful thing. So before we start crying, <laughs> let's go into uh, number three because that'll be a quick one, and then we can take a break and come back. So number three, number three is who is your TV crush, past and present? he's read it? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay, then he hasn't seen it. <laughs> okay, see, I literally wrote in the post, you're probably not going to see this. But <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> I totally did. I totally did. Um, my current slash older crush is Brandon um, Flynn from 13 Reasons Why. Okay. Um, Especially when he's in that flash suit. That's right. One at a time, like like a lady. <laughs> say George like young George Clooney on ER but I think like most of the doctors were pretty hot on ER but going back to teenage shows Joshua Jackson on Dawson's Creek was that kid yeah I don't know what it was he was like he you know what I liked about him is that he was like the type of character who would try to seem tough you know, but like really on the inside, he was sensitive and like had a really big heart. And he wasn't. Yeah. And he wasn't such a like a oh God, like Dawson is just such a ball, a ball of fluff. Like he's got so many feelings. He's like the most emo fucking character, like TV character ever. And he's always like struggling with his angst and stuff. But like 
no, Joshua Jackson was just whew, seeing him in that North Carolina, like golden hour sunlight sitting on a dock. I was just like, oh, who is this kid? So, so cute. So I even loved it when he like bleached his hair for urban legend. Yes. Oh, so good. So cute. I don't take, I don't look back on that one and go like, oh, Jesse, what the fuck? Um, Cause he is, he was on a TV show that I, oh, that just ended called The Affair. And I was like, Pacey, you still, you still got it. <laughs> so um, currently I want to say after watching a bunch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and rewatching The League, I was going to say Jason Mansukis, um, be but I also think that's because not so much of his TV characters, but because I listened to his podcast and he's also like a guest on a bunch of other podcasts that I like. So I just really like his personality and him as a person. But like TV, TV, TV crush, I'm going to say Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. I know you haven't finished that, but he is a sexy man <laughs> underneath that helmet. And I think he's just... Yes, well, as Oberyn. Yeah, as Oberyn. I loved him. He was so, so fucking hot in, in Game of Thrones. But in Mandalorian, it's like there's something kind of like dark and mysterious about him because he never takes his helmet off. So you just hear his voice. And then you, he's got this like really cool like costume. Like he customizes his like armor or whatever the fuck. I don't know Star Wars terms and stuff, but like. I just like just the voice and like the brooding around and the costume and it's just, Oh, so hot. So, so hot. Um, It would be really hard to be with somebody who never takes their helmet off though. (laughs) Cause they do take his helmet off in Mandalorian and he's doesn't look as good as he did in game of Thrones. But like, if he just wanted to keep that helmet on and just talk in that cool Darth Vader voice, I'd be like, Hey buddy, take me out. (laughs) So, so that one's mine. So those are mine. So those are our TV crushes. And we're going to take a break and we will be right back with the rest of the questions. Welcome back. All right. So we're going into question number four. What is the scariest TV show you have experienced recently? So... I'm going to take this one, um, and so yours is about ghosts, which I'm very surprised mine is not, Um, but I'm going to go with Chernobyl, which is a limited series that aired on HBO, I think maybe a year ago, um, based on the, yeah, based on the Chernobyl radiation accident. Um, So... When you say scary, I mean, I guess I don't watch, I think if a show was scary, I would try to watch it, but this was scary in a real way. Um, And it's basically because as you're watching this, you, the viewer, are, I'd say a few steps ahead of everybody else, because we know what happens that night. We know that when the thing, I'm sorry, I can't come up with these words, um, whatever this like building just blows open and there's just like live radiation just like going out into the air, into the air, it creates like this beacon, like this light beacon. We know what that is. And we know that that city does not exist anymore, that it had to be evacuated and that pretty much everybody around their most of them died from str- the people working in the plant from like straight on radiation, uh, radiation, like exposure. And then a lot of the other characters we know will go on to die in an early age because of radiation based like cancer. So it's just pretty dark the way that this, this is not going to end well. And them mishandling the situation it reminds me of like when you're watching a scary movie telling somebody don't go in there you know you're just like no 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 <laughs> this is not how you deal with it and the way that they try to get it to stop putting these men's like put it, putting the lives of these men like 
just basically in their hands, knowing a lot of them knowing that by them trying to contain this accident, that these men are going to die doing so. And yeah. ooh, radiation <laughs> poisoning is terrifying to look at. It's basically as if a zombie was being eaten alive by a flesh eating bacteria from the inside out is kind of how it looks. Um, it's yes. It's cooking you and you're melting. Um, one of the scariest parts is actually in the first episode and it's the two, it's a a group of men who work in the plant who are going, um, to just kind of see what happened. Like they're going down to where it happened and being like, let's see if we can get in there. Let's see what's going on. And basically their skin is already like, they just go into the room for a minute and their skin is already starting to bleed. And this guy picks up this dude who's like having a hard time breathing. And he's like, come on, we got to keep going. And so he goes, fuck, I'll, I'll get you. I'll put you over my shoulder. And so when he runs away with the guy over his shoulder and he puts the guy back down, they're just both kind of covered in blood. And they're in these like white scrubs. And you can just see that their skin is starting to burn and ooze. And it's just, and it follows like two other characters who are there from like the, like from the side of it in the beginning. And then you see them in a hospital bed and it's just like, their face is coming off and their teeth are sticking out and their eyes are bugging out. Just horrific, like terrible, terrible. Oh, it's a lot, but that show really scared the shit out of me because not that it feels it is real. It, and it's fucking sad as fuck that it actually happened and everything, but it's almost one of those things where it's like, could that happen again? And how would we deal with it? You know, because if you've never, I mean, we'll le- we would learn from what happened in Chernobyl to like contain it and fix it. I'm sure these things don't happen that often, but it's it's just really horrifying watching this, knowing what comes out of it, and then just being like, oh, these people are doomed, and they're going to die terrible, terrible deaths for nothing, basically. Like, oh, it's it's really rough. But it's a really great, I mean, aside from all of that, it is super fucking interesting, amazing cast, proper mini series, like just uh, the pacing of it is perfect. It's mwah, amazing. Chef's kiss. Love, love it. So I think yours is less gruesome than mine. What is yours? Mine is, mine is less gruesome than yours. But if you think about yours, it has happened again. In mm-hmm. Japan, I believe, when they had the tsunami that hit the right, yes. nuclear power plant. Yes. And it all like spilled out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you don't it's it's an uncontainable act of not nature but of science trying to create something yeah. that can turn on you in a split second. And it's so destructive. Yes. That you have no choice. You have no choice. You literally run the other the other direction. Mm-hmm. But in the in the case of Chernobyl, like that radiation spilled out so far, yeah, that there is still people that actually live in somewhat of a proximity to that space that are still experiencing um, fallout mm-hmm. from the radiation, still having really fucked up babies. Like, yeah. People are dying. People are, it's like, I watched a documentary not too long ago, and it was about the Chernobyl incident. I don't know what it was called, but it was just like, this thing spread so far and has lasted to this day. Yeah. The radiation lasts. Still there. (laughs) They're literally just kind of like slowly, well, they were starting to slowly open it up as kind of a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. For people to go back in. I would totally go. I think it's fascinating when we've had to like evacuate a place and then the earth takes it back over, like nature takes over. So, what Chernobyl looks like now, to me, I want to go there on like Halloween or something. <laughs> like, it looks like 
a spooky, scary playland. But no, yeah, yeah you're right. scared by it is if you were certain that you did not believe in ghosts. So, yeah. Yeah. which, and the, which at that point, why are you, why are you even watching it? But what's interesting yeah. about it is, and I think one of the things that makes it so scary is that it's people who are like everyday people. They're like, yeah. they're like from red States, from blue States, people work in the city, people who are farmers, like, you know, it's just like, all people, all like the spectrum of people who are so different from each other, but they all truly believe that they saw something and that something paranormal happened to them. You're just like, well, fuck, if it's happening to Bob down the road on his farm, then it could happen to me, you know? something, whether it's ghosts or aliens or, or anything that can kind of like, I'm not, af I'm afraid of sharks or something, you know, like I live in a home. I'm, I'm good. Sharks don't live in apartment buildings, you know, but like when, yeah, when Zach will leave for work around the time that I'm going to bed at night or like in the morning, um, cause I'm nocturnal. I'll, if I need to, you know, walk one of the dogs one more time, 
um, or I need to like go smoke a cigarette or something, I will lock the door behind me with my key, go downstairs, come back up. And it's like, I live in a very secure building. So I guess the fact that like, if somebody were to break in, that's a bonus, but I'm literally doing it for the peace of mind that I know that there's nothing inside. And like, I'll look in, I'll look behind the shower curtain, you know, or I'll like, I'll look in the closet before I go. And then when I come back inside, I'll just be like, okay, cool. Because sometimes I, I am listening to a scary podcast or I've just watched something that's a little creepy or whatever. And yeah, it, it's just, if you believe it, then there's this part of your mind that's like, it happens to other people. It could be me. And I don't believe that my apartment is haunted at all. Like I've never had that creepy feeling like that we talked about on our ghost show of like our experiences and stuff, but just your imagination going there. Yeah. That I don't think I could watch that show by my, yeah, definitely not by myself. Zach would at least have to be somewhere in the apartment. Like sitting on his computer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. That's why we love ghosts so much is just because and of what it does. Like, I wish I liked scary movies as much as I like stuff like about paranormal or like true crime or whatever. But like, no, it's just those things. I I truly, truly believe in it. And it's just it's bound to happen to one of us one day. Like I and especially since we're receptive and stuff like I don't think that ghosts want to fuck around with some old man who's like, I don't believe in ghosts or whatever. Like they could knock a chair over in front of him and he'd be like, it was the wind. So I think like you and I are going to own a home or something one day and just be like, Hey, yeah, it's haunted. Our, our wish came true. And then we're going to have our own scary stories and our own gonna, ghost you're, hunting. You're literally going to find me in my bedroom holding the, the blanket over my chest. Can I tell you my my apartment is haunted (laughs) I would be yeah I would be like well gotta move out (laughs) so it's it's serious yeah gotta move you're gonna go pay rent on somewhere else because I just can't live here all right well that was good that was like our, our weekly dose of ghost stuff So this next question, I think maybe could be interesting, but I think for people who watch TV as much as we do, um, this one's kind of interesting. It's what are your TV blind spots? So shows that you've never seen that you feel like everybody else watches or has seen at one point. And when you tell them you've never seen it, they're like, oh, my God, really? So what are what are some of yours? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's like the rigidity of it. You're watching. It's just another story over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think between the two of us, we get more invested in a season of a TV show where it's telling an overarching story. Yeah. And without that, it's just, it, it doesn't, doesn't fulfill what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, sadly, I have not gotten into things that you love, like Mad Men, Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. types of, of those shows, like shows that I should be watching, I have kind of sidelined into the blind spot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we'll get there someday. We'll shine a light there. Yeah. I think uh, uh, these are things I have not watched and only one of them. Well, two of them. Okay. So the wire in the office, I would like a show like the wire and I have watched it. I've tried picking up certain episodes. I think, believe I've watched the first season and I really just felt like I was watching it to do my due diligence as like someone who says that they know TV. So that's, I wasn't falling in love with the characters per se. I did like take in how well done it is um, and the acting and just the, oh God, some of the characters are fucking classic, but it just, yeah, just wasn't for me. And that's kind of like a bummer one where I'm like, I never got into the wire. Like that kind of makes me feel bad. The office, I feel less bad about not liking the office because one of my things is I do not want to, I do not think stupid people are endearing or interesting. So, uh, Michael Scott, I know that he has a lot of depth and I'm sure the way that Steve Carell plays him, I bet that character is way more multidimensional than I think it is, but I cannot handle people who are stupid and, and not self-aware. So, and I feel like that goes for a lot of the cast and their characters, but I know it's funny. Like I get it. Like my friends are into it. I get it. I get why it's funny. I should like it because one of my favorite shows is Parks and Recreation. And I feel like Parks and Recreation is a more likable version of The Office with more likable characters and more heart and definitely more of a female voice because it's not Michael Scott, it's Leslie Knope, you know? And it's, yeah. yeah. So the female cast shines just like equally or above the male cast and everything. But The Office, I just never, no, 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 tried. And I just don't want to. Same thing with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. These actors are brilliant and they're writing a great show. I know that they are, but I don't root for assholes. So it's hard. It's just personal tried, things. You tried to get into Always Sunny. I did. For a while, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember you, you, us talking about it. Yeah. You were kind of excited. Well, my sister and my mom would watch it and like, they, cause like they love like Arrested Development and stuff. So they got into it and then all my coworkers, like all of my boyfriends and now my husband, like everybody loves Sunny. And so I've really tried to get into it, but I just don't like them, but I know it's good. Two shows that I don't feel bad about watching because I don't think they're good are This Is Us and The Bachelor. Don't feel bad about it. Amen. <laughs> Amen to The Bachelor. Yeah. I do not. I am a Bravo elitist. I do not step outside of the Bravo kingdom that often. So I don't, and I don't want to see women act this way or project this idea that you need to get married or you need to be the girl that gets picked by the man. And I know there's like bachelorette and stuff. Like, I don't care. I think this show is toxic and there's way better reality TV on way better. Oh yeah. Fucking oh, yeah. fight you me. Yeah. Much, so much better content than I would say watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like if you can't come over to the fucking Bravo side of the green grass then like watch something else. But Bachelor just 
And I'm sure that a lot of the reason why people are watching The Bachelor is like the same reason we're watching Van- Vanderpump Rules is just because like, you're like, this person's a piece of shit. Let's watch them go down <laughs> or like make a fool yeah. of themselves. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I can't really do it. So those last two, I don't care. The first two, I actively <laughs> feel bad about not liking <laughs> or not watching. If you, need, if you actually happen to need something to watch right now, Go ahead, but don't waste your time. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a teeny tiny little break, and then we'll be back with our last two questions. All right. So our last two questions, number six, which TV character do you most relate to? Um, I'm going to let you go first. So I'm gonna head back to Shit's Creek. Okay. We're gonna go towards David Rose. David. And, you know, as you watch this character kind of progress through the series, it it was very similar to kind of me and coming out, and I I kept it very close to my chest. Um, even people that I come out to now are like. I wouldn't have known that unless you even said it to me, and I, I, I still keep it that way. Mm-hmm. But to watch a character develop on a TV show that is kind of surpassing you is, is very um, admirable. Definitely. Because he's looking at a world that is now accepting him, and, and I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't give two shits whether what you think about me or not. I still care. I'm still a fucking weirdo in that respect, but I didn't. I held. I held it so close, yeah, so tight for the longest time. And you being one of the people that I really came out to first, even when in our talks, it was like there's a lot of times that I would hold. I wouldn't fill the whole, the whole story in mm-hmm. right away with you. I would give you little pieces and chunks and then and now I tell you absolutely goddamn everything. 13 but, years later, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we get a lot like, from each other. To <laughs> finally come out of his shell in the season prior to this last season like, and give himself fully to a partner was incredibly admirable. Like, I couldn't, I wish I could have gotten there faster. Everybody has to do their own thing at their own pace. But it's just, you know, and even his partner on the show, Patrick, was kind of like mine. Mm -hmm. And they were also the same way, very closed, very closed off, just kind of really anticipating the worst from people if we had said this to them. But it comes out so glorious at the end. So, yeah, David Rose. I love that. What a great character. Well, um, my favorite TV character that I most relate to um, and was somebody who I really paid attention to the most in my last rewatch is Peggy from Mad Men. So Mad Men is my number two favorite show. And... um, I watch it all the time. I write about it a lot and hope to develop that into something one day. But now just going through these rewatches and stuff has really just cemented what I feel for Peggy, um, which is just, you know, a a show being set in the sixties. I think this is why maybe people don't go to Mad Men as, as easily as other shows like Breaking Bad or stuff. And I've people, I come across a lot of people who, maybe haven't seen it or they don't think it's going to be for them, especially women. But Peggy's character, you know, she started as a innocent young secretary, you know, a prude, very traditional, very conservative. And she started as a secretary and then got this opportunity to shine in a campaign because Mad Men is about a work. It's about work. It's about a workspace and the people who work in it. As much as it's about life, it's about work and how advertising goes. 
So she gets to participate in this campaign and everybody just goes, wow, there's something about her. She's really talented. So she takes that and instead of goes, oh, thanks, maybe I'll get a husband out of this or whatever. She just goes, I want to keep working like this. I don't want to be a secretary anymore. I want to be a copywriter. And she just keeps going. But every step of her journey for the first, I would say, five seasons, she brushes up against everything. You know, like it is never easy for her, especially in her relationship with Don and how hard of a worker she does and the way he would take advantage of that, the way that men feel that they could control women back then and that men were seen as authority figures to people of color or women. You know, she just really takes that and goes, I'm brilliant and I'm a hard worker and that makes you and I equal. And I've always loved her just because I'm a blind cook and I've been doing it for about 10 years now. And I have always in all of my jobs over the past 10 years, except for two, I have always been the only girl on the line and I've been surrounded by men and line cooks were basically like punk sailors were a group of fucking weirdos. And I listened to men talk. I listened to men, not listen to me. I got put down unless I was their friend, you know, unless I was totally in the boys club as a feminist listening to conversations that I did not consent to listen to and have to just work side by side with these guys and the way they would talk about things and women and stuff. It was really hard. And I always, always felt like the only girl. And it just fucking sucked. It really, really fucking sucked. And I think that's why I'm in the position now where if I go back to working as a line cook, I want to work for women. I want to work around women or I want to transition out of this industry because it was just so hard to deal with that. And it made that only like men only boys club like even if you cook amazing, even if you do your job and the chefs and the customers love it, you will still be a woman in their eyes, not an equal. And it's incredibly frustrating and it took me forever to get away with that. And it's really left a bad taste in my mouth as a, as a line cook, you know, in 2020 now. So I just love the way that she always rose to the occasion to make herself look like someone who knows what they're doing. And most of the time she was making these guys look bad because her value in that company was like, if you had one Peggy, you could fire three dudes because she's just so good at her job. And not until the end did she really get like the recognition um, that she needed and be like embraced somewhat as an equal. So yeah, so that's mine. Sorry to get all crazy and <laughs> deep, but yeah. I, I really, really feel that because it was an everyday thing at my job. So I know what it's like. It goes to show the power of what they can do. They can do fucking everything. Mm-hmm. And three-fourths of the time, it's actually better than the way men can do it. Mm-hmm. And to a shout-out to Elizabeth Moss. Amazing fucking actor. Oh my god, the we best. Were talking about her last night. Yeah. I watched The Invisible Man. Um, everyone should watch it. It's terrifying. <laughs> uh, but she's it, great. It's like you know when you get to when you get the chance to kind of overcome the feeling belittled, mm-hmm. feeling belittled, not and, and and you're probably also being belittled at the same time, and it's it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even imagine the feeling. I mean, I can as a gay man. I have to get through that shit, but yeah, I still can't even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? it's that was a great fucking pick. Thank you. Yeah, and again, everybody watch Mad Men because it it fits even the political female climate of 2020. Um, so, and I learned a lot from that character, especially about how I'm going to be as an employee and in my job. And it's just, uh, Peggy's the 
fucking best. Peggy is the only, what are those little figurine things called? Fun pop? Or? Yeah, the pop, the pop, the pop, Funko. Funko. The only one that I own is a Peggy, is a Peggy Olsen Funko. (laughs) It's really good. Did you take her out of the box? Yes. No. No. But I like having her around. She like sits right next to my TV. It's really cute. (laughs) No, the box is ugly. I just like the little Peggy. I have not Maybe I'll buy another one with her in the box and keep her in the box. Because I've heard about people buying two and, like, taking one out of the box. So. I've the tiny ones. The tiny ones get out of the box. Because you have to open the box to see which ones they are. Oh. But the big ones, you've got to keep them in the box. Yeah. Because 20 years, 20 years from now, well, I'll keep that in mind because I want to buy the other uh, Mad Men Funkos. So I should have bought the whole set, but I will definitely go back to that. So last question, number seven. And we, I said we only had one <laughs> answer in common. We actually have two, and it's this one. Which TV character do you still hate, even though the show is over and that actor has moved on to other roles? I don't know what this actor has been doing since this, but I have never hated somebody as much as Joffrey Baratheon on Game of Thrones. Hate, hate that kid. Hate that kid. Oh, worst villain. Because he's so good. Oh. You know what I think of? I think of how bad, like when I'm like, okay, what makes Joffrey so fucking terrible or to be feared? Cause I was afraid of him. Like, and I was afraid of our other characters when they were around him, of course, but he once freaked out Cersei. Like that's one of Cersei's, like one of my favorite lines from her. And I'm not going to say this verbatim, but uh, she says, the things that he did shocked me. Do you think I'm an easy person to shock? Like, she, he scared his mother, who's like one of the most, the hugest cunts in all of the kingdom. That kid had power behind him. And he was 13 in it, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The ooh, oh my god. I and you know what? I I would have felt like I feel like we could have got a better death scene. That was good. Choking to death on poison, that was good. But I wanted to watch him die like three more times. <laughs> yeah, I mean the only other only other worst way I could imagine someone going out like that would have been either drowning or burning to death. Yeah. And we saw a lot of burning to death. Yeah. Particularly in the final season. With dragons. Yeah. Oh, he did great. His body posturing in the throne, that like kind of like cavalier like elbow lean and he's just like resting his hand and his like fingers are just kind of draped out and you're like he's got all the rings on and he's all oh my god that i was always afraid every single time that kid came on the screen i was like something bad is gonna happen like something bad and he took our most innocent characters and then i i mean i don't even think beheading ned stark is like one of the worst things he's done I think, and a lot of, I would get really pissed off when he would fuck with Tyrion. Like, I would get really, really mad, like, at the at the wedding and stuff, like, which was his death scene. But when he would mess with Tyrion and Tyrion knew, like, he couldn't really do anything but take it, like, oh, that got my blood boiling. Yeah, but, like, showing Sansa her dad's head on the stage. 
Ugh. Not super nice. No. Not super nice at all. Beating uh, the two prostitutes yeah. to death. Yeah, maybe firing a crossbow bolt, crossbow bolt into one of them. Yeah. Not very nice. Not nice. Uh, you yeah, said a lot of not nice moments. Mm-mm. Um, the only person that could even give him a run for his money, and it's from the same show, is Ramsey Bolt. That was what I was going to say before I looked up Ramsey and stuff, and I was like, what? Oh, let me look up Ramsey. And then I was like, oh, Joffrey, duh. No, Ramsey was an elevated version of Joffrey because he was able to like rape essentially and much stronger and a much better like hunter and killer. So yeah. Ooh, both. Ooh, but I think game of Thrones, that is something they did really right when, and we'll go on to talk about game of Thrones in a future podcast that we have planned out. But um, when it comes to people you hate in that show, like they make sure that you really do not like them. And yeah. like oh, yeah. uh, the moon door lady, she's awful. And she gets all crazy and tries to like throw Sansa through the moon door after she marries uh, Baelish. She was terrible. Um, oh, uh, the guy. Fuck. I'm going to fuck this up. <laughs> It's not like we podcasted about this all year. Um, there's a guy when Jon Snow um, and the Night's Watch guys are, they go to that. Mm, okay, I can't think of it. Never mind. It's too far away in my mind. <laughs> I probably talked about it on a previous podcast. We'll come back to it. Because we have more things to say about Game of Thrones. But yeah, Joffrey, man, just, I haven't seen anything like him before, haven't seen anything like him since. So. Oh, all right. Well, that was fun. So we can, we're going to do this again. Cause again, we're still in quarantine. We have nothing else to do. And we hope you guys are watching a lot of TV and you're staying in and you're staying safe. Evan, thank you so much. And we will talk to you guys very, very soon. Bye. Yeah. While you get well. Bye.